Mark 9, starting at verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Let's think together about what Jesus is saying and doing in in Mark chapter 9. We pray, Father, that as we prepare ourselves to go out into this world this week, you would give us the encouragement that only Jesus can. We want to listen to him carefully this morning and hear all that he wants to say to us. And Father, lift our hearts up with encouragement, convict our hearts where we need to change. And may we, Father, as it were, leave here as many Christs emulating him for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a terrible time to be 21. Complained a young fan to Billy Joel, the piano man, the aging rock star, To which Joel responded, yeah, I remember when I was 21, it was a terrible time too. And the young guy said to him, well, 
No, it wasn't so bad for you. Back in the 60s, it was all peace and love. Not so quick, says Joel. Did you not hear about Vietnam and drugs and race riots? Joel was motivated. He went home and wrote a song with 118 references to the political and social upheavals of the 60s and 70s and 80s. And the song zoomed right to number one. Malcolm X, Ho Chi Minh, Richard Nixon back again, Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan, JFK blown away. What else do I have to say? Foreign debts, homeless vets, AIDS, crack, Bernie Getz, hypodermics on the shore, China's under martial law, punk rock, cold wars. I can't take it anymore. And about a hundred other things before the song was finished. But the most haunting thing of all was the chorus. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. No, we didn't light it, but we tried to fight it. The world is burning up. Especially, it seems, if you're 21, who's going to stop the fire? Well, how about that man coming down from the mountain with his three disciples? His garments are dazzlingly white, fresh from an encounter with Moses and Elijah. That man can stop the fire. And we need to listen to him this morning. His name is Jesus, look with me at Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. Verse 14, you have your Bibles. When they came down from the mountain to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. And presumably Jesus, the countenance of his, his face is still glowing. The after effects of the transfiguration and, 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 and they were overwhelmed with wonder. Verse 16, Jesus says, what are you arguing with them, the leaders, the Jewish leaders about? And a man in the crowd stepped forward and he said, teacher, I brought you my son. He's possessed by an evil spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth. His body becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. They could not. Translates one word in Greek, the language in which the New Testament was first written. It's it's the word eskuo, which literally means they did not have the strength. They lacked the power to drive out this dehumanizing spirit. But which is hardly surprising. I mean, could any of us have done better? But look at how Jesus assesses the situation. Verse 19, 
You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? <laughs> Jesus isn't just disappointed with the disciples. He, he's exasperated and it's, it's been building for a, a long time. Back in chapter four, Jesus scolded his disciples. Do you still have no faith? And then in chapter five, do not fear, have faith. And in chapter six, he was amazed at their lack of faith. And now here again in chapter nine, you unbelieving Generation, the same word there. You're unfaithful. You, you don't have the faith. How long shall I put up with you? A boy is convulsing in the dirt, and the problem, as far as Jesus sees it, is the disciples. You have no faith. No faith to unlock the power to drive out this evil spirit. They could not do it. Look what happens next. Verse 20. They brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. The boy fell to the ground. He rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, the father answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or waters to destroy him. Inconsolably, the, the father cries out, verse 22, but, but if you can do anything... The word, the word can here, if you can do anything, translates the Greek word dune, which again refers to power. In fact, we derive the English word dynamite from duna, dune. If you can, if you have the power, Jesus, if you, if you have the dynamite, verse 22, take pity on us. Literally, in your innermost being, please have sympathy for us. And Jesus responds with a question. Verse 23, if you can, if you can. And we expect Jesus to answer his own question with the words, of course I can. But he doesn't do that. Rather, he takes the focus off of himself and he puts it on the Father. Look at verse 23. Everything is possible for one who believes. In other words, Father, do you believe I can make your son well? I mean, whether or not I can is not in question. I've flung the stars into space. I can surely cast out evil spirits. The question is, though, do you believe it? Because Everything is possible for the one who believes. That's got to be one of history's most spectacular affirmations. Everything is possible. Not just some things. 
everything is possible. And by the way, this word possible comes once again from the Greek root duna, which refers to the idea of power. Everything can be empowered for the one who believes. There is nothing that cannot be overpowered. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Magnificent. The problem is believing, as Alex brought out in the children's talk today. It's not easy to believe. Verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, literally, he cried out with tears, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Abject honesty. I love it. I want to believe. But I don't know if I can believe. This this son of mine, he's been tormented since childhood. So many times I've had to pull him from the fire. I've had to rescue him from downing this this insanely self-destructive little boy. I can hardly bring myself to believe that it can be otherwise. I want to believe. I want to have the faith. Help me in my unbelief. You know, when we had difficulties in life, we hit them regularly, don't we? Imposing challenges, painful obstacles. We tend to lose faith, not gain faith. You know why? Because we always evaluate challenges in terms of our capacity to deal with them. When a child is groveling in the dirt in front of us, foaming at the mouth, hurling himself into flames, we feel utterly unable to do anything about it. We feel powerless. When a challenging set of exams looms in front of us, When your perfect job that you've always longed for attracts a competitive field of five-star applicants. When you're longing for love. I want someone who loves me. Fails to produce a suitable prospect. When your health is struck down and you're afflicted by Physical pain goes on for weeks and weeks. When the good opinion of others is elusive. And when you feel unable to bend the circumstances of your life to meet your desires. When when you face these problems in your own strength. You just have no confidence that you're going to be able to surmount them. But that doesn't mean that they must inevitably overpower you. I think Jesus is saying here, don't think in terms of your own strength, of what you can do. Don't put your faith in your limited capabilities. Believe in the one whose capabilities have no limits for whom 
Everything is possible. There's a great truth here. Look at verse 25. Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene. He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed the boy violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. Jesus can make evil spirits shriek. Jesus can make corpses spring to life. Jesus has the dynamite to overpower everything that ails this world. Everything is possible for Jesus. And today he is telling us everything is possible for us. Not necessarily that everything is probable, but everything is possible. And not that everything will happen, but that everything can happen. I mean, this could well be singularly the most sensational promise in the entire Bible. Everything is possible for the one who has faith. Did you know that? We've got to know that. We've got to get it into our heads. Where did the disciples go wrong? <laughs> That's precisely what they want to know. Look at verse 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Six times in the Gospel of Mark, they witnessed Jesus exercise evil spirits. And I guarantee you, they took good notes. And they must have said to themselves, we memorized the formula, how to cast out demons. We followed the steps perfectly. Jesus, why didn't it work? Why couldn't we drive it out? The short answer is because you cannot overcome evil by human formulae. You need a greater power. A power beyond what humans possess. Look at verse 29. Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. The Greek here is striking. This kind, this genus, genos, genus, this genus of evil, this evil spirit. And, and then This is kind of a literal translation. This evil spirit, by nothing is there enough power to cast it out except by prayer. By nothing else is there enough power to cast this demon out except by prayer. Prayer alone unleashes the power to overcome evil. Think about it. Prayer. What is prayer? 
Prayer is a confession of weakness. Prayer is saying we can't, but you can, God. We lack the power, but you don't. You possess it. We can't cast out evil spirits. We we can't heal the sick. We can't overcome addictions. We can't defeat depression. We can't mend our marriages. We can't end war. We can't send off fears. We, We can't stop the fire. But God can. The problems of this world. You cannot throw human formula at them. Such as the war between Israel and the Palestinians, implacable enemies since the end of the 19th century, one of the longest running conflicts in our world. I remember when I was a senior in university at a political science class, I had to write a paper on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. That was about 10 years ago. (laughs) That was about 45 years ago. And you know, I studied and I read and I studied and I read. And you know what my, my conclusion was? There's no solution to this. Humanly speaking. Diplomacy hasn't ended the conflict. Neither will bombs nor tanks. Such as the axis of authoritarian governments coalescing presently in opposition to the freedom-loving people of the world, reintroducing war into Europe with threats of nuclear deployment. There may be one or two of us here this morning old enough to remember what happened the last time such an evil axis began to congeal on this continent. It's happening again in the 21st century. After all our lightning-like advances in technology and communication, travel and mutual understanding, we're still lighting fires with the potential to ignite a worldwide conflagration. Well, forget about the international stuff. What, what about us personally? Uh, what about the embers simmering in our own hearts? A young philosopher summing up the national mood in the States says, we live at the sloppy intersection of desires and fears the sloppy intersection of desires and fears. Desires going unfulfilled, causing fears to be unresolved. Desires for success and love and acceptance, fears that they are beyond our reach. An intersection which awakes a sense of hopelessness. Not just in America, I see it also in Europe, traveling around in country after country, listening to young adults losing hope. Do you know that Albania has lost one third of its population? As the young people flock to the north, hoping they might find hope. Hopelessness in the most advanced societies in history. We can't seem to resolve our problems. 
True, says Jesus. True. By nothing is there enough power to overcome them except by prayer. Except by turning to God. Except by pleading with him. If you can, I believe you can. Help us in our unbelief. Why do we hesitate? Why are we prayerless? Why are we reluctant to look up? If COVID couldn't get us looking up, what will? Why are we determined to do life by ourselves? Can't we see that we're not cut out for the job? Well, but maybe that's not our problem. Maybe it's we're unsure. We're unsure, like Alex hinted, we are unsure that God is cut out for the job. Can he really stop the fire? In the American Civil War, cost 750,000 lives. It was not a good time to be 21. Celebrated literary critic Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, father of six children, he lost his wife tragically when her dress caught on fire, and his grief was so great that he feared he might be sent to an asylum. And about that time, he received a telegram that his oldest son, a second lieutenant in the Massachusetts Cavalry, had been severely wounded, shot in the face at the Battle of Mine Run. The father rushed south to be at his son's side, and while en route, it was Christmas Day, and he heard the Christmas bells ringing from a church steeple, and he pulled out a pen, and he started writing, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Yet from each dark accursed mouth the cannon thunder in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. You can just hear Longfellow struggling at this point. Is there any hope for this world? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Listen to the last verse. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do we believe that God can do anything? Are we praying that he would? Look at verse 26. 
The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus, but Jesus took him by the hand and literally raised him up. And the boy literally resurrected on a stay. You know, that's what this world needs. It needs resurrection from the smoldering ashes of sin and evil. Resurrection to a new kind of life. But who can do resurrections? By nothing is there enough power to raise the dead except by prayer. Except by God. A few months later, the disciples got it right. A lame man was sitting at the temple gate begging for pity. Peter, the disciple, said, well, we don't have any silver or gold. We don't have a human cure, no self-help formula for imparting life to dying limbs. But, but what we do have, we will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the hand and raised him up and immediately His feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk. This is in Acts 3, if you want to look at it later. They they raised him up. The disciples raised him up. Only months earlier, they couldn't do it. They couldn't raise a boy with an evil spirit. Now they did it, raising up a lame man. What changed? They believed. They had faith. In the resurrection power of Jesus. Listen to Peter, his own words. By the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom God raised from the dead, by him is this lame man standing before you today. Oh man, Jesus of Nazareth. When he burst out of the tomb on Easter morning, he was not just a resurrected corpse, a man now breathing, who for three days wasn't, uh, a, a man whose heart is now beating, for three days it wasn't beating. No, something much greater came out of the tomb. The power to make all things new. The power to overthrow evil. Power to impart resurrection life. And when the disciples saw the resurrected Jesus, they believed in him. And they entrusted their lives to him. Like Rachel and Leo have done. And this Jesus, the living, resurrected Jesus, actually came to dwell inside of them with all of his resurrection power. The Apostle Paul says, the immeasurable greatness of his power is now toward us who believe. The same power that raised Jesus up from the dead is in us. Do we believe it? That everything can be overpowered for the one who believes. Just think of all that is not 
happening in this world? What diseases are not cured? What demons are not cast out? What wars are not brought to an end? What addictions are not overcome? What depressions are not vanquished? What broken marriages are not mended? And most of all, what sinful hearts unprepared for eternity, are not drawn into the beauty of eternal salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ because we disciples do not believe because we're not praying for God to do through us what only he by the resurrection power of Christ in us can do. Or let's put it positively, Christian, brother, sister in Christ. Have you ever heard a more glorious message than the one we're hearing today? <laughs> this, is, this is a New Year's message, isn't it? The, the message that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we don't have to hide our faces from the appalling sights of disfigured humanity all around us, the mental illness, the broken relationships, the wars, the, the boy squirming on the ground and foaming at the mouth. We don't have to look away in self-preservation as though there was nothing we can do about it. No, you and I, we can look evil straight in the eye unafraid because we believe in a greater power sufficient to put all things right, everything right. We believe in the resurrection power of Jesus, which amazingly now also dwells in us. We believe, Heavenly Father, that you can by your salvation bring by, you can, by your power, bring salvation to this lost and broken world and use us in the process. I'm ready for 2024. Are you? Last week, at the top of my BBC news feed, was the story of Christian Marriott. who on a Christmas day walk with his wife and two young sons on a street in Sheffield saw a woman lying on the pavement, wounded, in distress. Instantly, he left his family. He ran over to the stricken woman. He kneeled down and he began administering first aid. Just then a car appeared driven presumably by the man who injured this woman in the first place and did not feel his work was done. And in his car, he ran the two of them over, killing Christian. The next day, a grieving family posted a tribute, quoted in full by the BBC. The circumstances of Christian's death although tragic and unfathomable to us, his family, show the sort of man Christian was. Going to help someone rather than turning away. Christian was a man full of faith who wanted others also to experience the joy that he had found in 
believing, believing in Jesus. In this most difficult of times for us, while mourning our loss, we take comfort in knowing that our husband and father is with his Lord and Savior. That's powerful. That is powerful. So powerful that it rose to the top of BBC's newsfeed. It was above Gaza. It was above Ukraine. It was above football scores. Because what we saw in Christian is so different from what we see in this world. world which lives at the sloppy intersection of unfulfilled desires and unresolved fears. We saw a man who didn't run away from trouble, but ran towards it. Who thought not of protecting his own life, but of saving the life of another. A man who exhibited the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That was worthy of a headline. A headline which even now is touching thousands of people. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't light it. But we tried to fight it. And we couldn't put it out. But God can, which is why we pray. Are we praying? This is a call at the beginning of the new year from Jesus to pray for God to work powerfully in our world, to work through us, to bring salvation to the lost, to bring healing to the broken, to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring Jesus, his death and resurrection to the people of this world who desperately need precisely and only that, him. Use us, Heavenly Father, to douse the flames, not by our might, but by yours, by the power of Christ, that is in us. It's a great time to be 21. Let's pray together. Before we pray, just up on the screen, this is our brother Christian and his wife. Christian is now with the Lord, and yet he's still ministering to us. Let's include him, his family. Let's include his family as we pray. Heavenly Father, cure us of prayerlessness. Help us to become so convinced that you are the only one who can inject hope into a troubled world, that we just must be, we get to be, We are privileged to be praying to you. And Father, we pray that you would use us 
in 2024. The resurrection power of Christ dwelling in us to, to bring the message of newness of life to more and more people. Father, to not run away from trouble, but run towards it. To protect ourselves, Father, but to look out for how we can help others. Thank you for the example of this brother, Christian. And we do pray for his wife and children, two, two young sons, Father, that they would be empowered by you in a way that they would not have been had their father not sacrificed like Jesus did to, to help, to save someone who was dying. Give them, Father, great encouragement. And this resurrection life that they witnessed in their father last week, Father, is, 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 a, is a life, a resurrection life they're going to witness through all eternity. And in fact, their husband and father is enjoying, is celebrating, is overawed by the glory of the risen Jesus right now as we pray. Father, this is your year coming up. It's not ours. We want to live it for you. Help us not to live it by ourselves. Help us to live it with you, for you, and through you. Help us to pray. Help us to celebrate the joy of just being enveloped by Jesus. Father, I pray for any who are here who are not enveloped by Jesus, who, unlike Rachel and Leo, have not yet given their lives to Jesus. We pray that they would, that, that these friends would do so today. Why put it off, Father? We don't need to live with our felt inadequacies anymore. We can live in your strength. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Father, may we all leave today, Father, in the orbit of Christ, in his family, enveloped by his love and empowered by his strength. We pray this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.